Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, everyone. So glad you could join us for another episode of Adweek's Most Powerful Woman in Sports. I'm Lisa Granistein, and it's here where the world's greatest marketers, media pros, athletes, and coaches share their remarkable career journeys and how they achieve peak performance. Today, we'll be speaking with Melissa Proctor, CMO of the Atlanta Hawks and State Farm Arena. Melissa also is author of From Ball Girl to CMO. It's both a memoir and a playbook for how to build a successful career. We'll hear from Melissa on her five guiding principles that have shaped her, both personally and professionally. Melissa started her career at Turner, serving in senior brand development and strategy roles. She joined the NBA in 2014 and then two years later became the CMO of the Hawks. Melissa got a taste of basketball early on in life, literally starting on the ground floor as a ball girl for the Miami Heat. And we're going to hear more about that in just a minute. So let's dive in. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Great to have you here. Thank you. So I have two questions before we get into talking about your your guiding principles. I want to know what does a ball girl actually do? We'll start there. Well, you know, working as a ball girl is really all about home court advantage, you know, for the players. And that's everything from getting there early, making sure they have everything they need on the benches, uh, making mops out of brooms back then. I don't know why you just didn't need regular mops Um, and really creating the environment for them to do their best work. So whether it's helping run drills with the the coaches uh, before the game starts, being able to rebound and help them get as many shots off before the game begins. And then obviously during the game, mopping up every bit of sweat that may 
come anywhere around the arc to make sure that they're safe during the game. But ultimately, it's all around creating home court advantage for the guys. Wow. And you've had quite a career trajectory from, like we said, ball girl to CMO. So tell me what what you do as a CMO of the Atlanta Hawks. And then we're going to get into how you got there. Well, you know, the irony is being CMO of the Atlanta Hawks is 100% about creating home court advantage as well, but in a very different and more robust way. Everything from the brand of the Hawks, driving demand, getting fans excited to come in the building, cheer everything from the production to our social media, to our community activations and corporate responsibility partnerships. All of it works together to really drive demand and build the brand of the Atlanta Hawks as a civic asset for the community of Atlanta. Okay. That's really helpful. So let's let's dig into your five principles and I'll let you elaborate on them through through stories that that helped inform them. So the first one was you must be able to pay all your bills on time and invest in your future. So talk to me a little bit about your family life. And you're from Miami. Yep. Obviously. From Miami, born and raised, uh, yeah. Richmond Heights. Um, And, you know, growing up, my mother was from Belize and my father was from Jamaica, and they both were kind of first generation living in the United States. So, you know, when I was born in the U.S., I had a very different upbringing than both of them. But I would spend summers either in Belize, you know, with family or in Jamaica with family. And my parents were divorced when I was 12. And so there was a lot happening. And, and, you know, my book, I talk about being going through Hurricane Andrew which was a really big deal uh, for myself and in Miami at that time. But I grew up that year. And so, you know, I really ended up taking care of my mother, you know, for most of my life through high school. When she dropped me off at college, I went to Wake Forest for undergrad, go Deeks. Um, And my very first day of college was her first day of disability. She was a registered nurse my entire life, worked double and triple shifts. And that's all that I saw. Um, And I'd never wanted for anything. She was always there to provide. However, Later on in life, I realized that her providing for me and doing the things that she wanted to, she wasn't very fiscally responsible when it came to retirement and what happened after she stopped working, uh, which resulted in very much my college career scholarship money I would get would go to help pay her bills. And as soon as I graduated college, I've been working for the heat since I was 15. Um, I always had a sense of responsibility um, to help make sure she was okay. And so, you know, my guiding principles are really important. I had mentors that kind of, you know, advise me, you know, think of things that are your non-negotiables or, you know, filters that you mm-hmm. need for your life so that when you're making decisions, you can know what's important. And so that one um, specifically around, you know, being able to pay my bills on time, a lot of that came to my mom yeah. because I, yeah. you know, there were times where stuff was getting cut off or we had to do debt consolidation and all these things. And that's all that I yeah. knew. But as right. it began to grow in my career and meet other people and executives, I saw that that's not really how it needs to be. And then when I had my daughter, I have a seven-year-old daughter uh, now, you know, the idea of investing in her future and creating some sort of generational wealth and being more financially literate and being able to explain mm-hmm. to her, you know, different things that I didn't know growing up was really important. Yeah. Now, you also were very resourceful and talented. You, you, um, you are an artist. And how did that translate into helping support yourself and getting you through college? Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting because when I was, I want to say in kindergarten, um, <laughs> I was doing a test and whatever reason I did, it was like a gifted program or something. And I ended up drawing on the chalkboard while I was waiting for results. And the person said, you know, your daughter's really smart. I was really quiet, very shy, believe it yeah. or not. 
um, at the time. And so, you know, the, the person encouraged my mother. She said, you know, she's she's good, but you may want to encourage her in her art, because even though it had nothing to do with this test, it's something that she's clearly passionate about. And so thankfully, you know, my mom got me in uh, magnet programs in Miami that were really focused on the visual arts. Um, so I went to Southwood Middle School and Design and Architecture Senior High School, where I focused on graphic design, right? Built a portfolio. I actually got a, a job working for the Miami Herald newspaper um, in high school as a designer, just trying to help make ends meet with my mother. But then also, you know, utilizing my original art pieces and started doing gallery exhibitions in high school. I had a, a, a friend of the family who was a lawyer that helped me put together contracts and deals to sell my work. And so when I started working for the Heat, there were actually some players who really liked my work and bought them for their personal collections. And so doing that in high school was, I mean, it was what I did. And it was now in retrospect, I'm like, how did I, how did that even happen? Um, but ultimately it was that art that got me a scholarship to Wake Forest University, where I focused on communications that was a studio art minor. So art had always been a big part of my career. And ultimately one of the things that got my foot in the door at Turner Broadcasting. Right. So that leads to our second guiding principle. Perfect segue there. Um, you must be able to bring your whole self to work. Talk to me a little bit about that. So you you obviously were an artist. You, you've established yourself that way, but you really wanted to get towards basketball, but you got into branding. Um, what did it mean to bring your whole self to work? Um, you know, it's a, it's a great question because even though I had a passion, you know, for, for basketball in high school, I said, I wanted to be the first uh, female coach in the NBA. That's what I told my mom. And she said, okay, go get a job in the NBA. And that's how I ended up with the heat. Um, and in college, you know, I'd learned a lot of different things through that experience. And in the summers, I would go back and volunteer for the draft free agency to really be around basketball. And my senior year of college, I just knew that I was going to work for the NBA. And so I got letters of recommendation and all these things. And I did an interview with the NBA and uh, they said, oh, you're great. You know, you're highly recommended, but you're too creative for us. You know, we're a business and we don't think you're a good fit for our organization. And honestly, that kind of dashed my NBA dreams a little bit. And at the same time, I decided, you know, maybe I'll stay in college because that's what you do when you don't know what you want to do. And um. I was the darling of the comms department at Wake Forest and good friends with the dean and a lot of the professors. And so I applied for the program there. And when I did my interview, they said, you know, Melissa, we all love you. You're great. But we know that you're using this as a crutch. And we believe that you're destined for bigger and better things. And so we're not even going to allow you the opportunity to get admission to our master's right. program, which blew my mind. So <laughs> not knowing where I was going to go, I kind of built oh. a TV guide magazine all about myself and my brand, which was a creative brief for an internship at Turner Broadcasting, mm -hmm. which is what ultimately got me in the door for Turner. And, you know, when they saw me, they saw all of my artwork and pieces that I had mm -hmm. in this magazine, but my brand became known as the quirky art girl. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when I came in the door, it was, oh, okay. I was in there as a, an intern in TNT marketing, but I was the art girl. So that was my personal brand. And at the time I had a huge Afro, um, you know, I always have been informal and pretty laid back yeah. and unique in my own way. But when I got into that organization, there weren't a lot of people of color and the women that I worked with were phenomenal, you know, and I learned a ton from them, but I wasn't getting invited to the lunches and the happy hours and those mm. sorts of things. And I remember sitting down with the president of the network at the time and, you know, they meet with every intern to say, Hey, how's it going? And 
you know, I said it was a great opportunity, but I don't feel like I fit in. And I think mm-hmm. I got the best advice I could have ever received at that time in my career, which was, you know, we hired you and we brought you in based on your background, based on your, you know, Caribbean heritage, yeah. based on your artistic abilities. The last thing we want you to do is to come in and feel like you need to assimilate or be like other people on the team in order to fit in. And so you are doing us a disservice by coming in here and trying to be something you're not. So by you staying true to yourself, you're actually helping the business. And it was positioned in such a way in an early age for me that just blew my mind. And I said, you know what? I win by being me authentically. So when I say now to this day, bringing my whole self to work, the fact that I could be a chief marketing officer of an NBA team and a top rated arena in the nation and have locks and a nose ring and, you know, speak to you. Like I talked to my daughter, like I talked to my boss, <laughs> I don't necessarily need to code switch or be something that I'm not. Right. That's really important to me. And I always try to encourage that with members of my team and, you know, wanting them to bring their whole self to work. Cause I truly believe it makes for a better organization. That's really great advice. And I I'm a true believer in that more and more. It seems as you get more comfortable in your career, you, you just it's not that you don't stop caring, but you just are like, this is me. This is the only way it's going to work. Right. Confidence as well. You know, you have yeah. some successes under your belt. You can have a little swag. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so the, the third one is you must have the ability to be both creative and strategic. So how did that work? How do you use that for solving business challenges? Maybe even in the last year with with COVID or if there's another example you wanted to share. Absolutely. I mean, actually, that one was born from having experiences where I was in 100% business strategy jobs. And I've had other roles that were 100% creative where I was an HD graphic producer doing on-air graphics for TBS and TNT. Mm-hmm. And in both of those roles, I was successful. But I realized that my strength came when I was able to bring both of those things together. And that was my superpower. Um, And so people say, hey, you know, you're an artist. Do you still create? And honestly, I don't have a ton of time um, to make art these days. Uh, But I really feel like I use my artistic mind towards solving business challenges in a unique way. And that um, has really, it really took shape during the pandemic where, you know, myself and my boss, we have this saying talking about playing in the gray because very often we have to just adapt and adjust to market conditions because things change on a dime, especially in sports, whether it's storylines or what's happening in the world and how it impacts our business. And I think the pandemic was absolutely one of those things. And so being able to work with the team, identifying that there are no sacred cows and that anything is possible, Mm -hmm. it really provides the creative ability to think outside the box and you can strategically put it in a new direction without thinking it has to be A or B because there's so many more options and opportunities, like having your building open as a voting you know, facility, which no one right. ever considered, but understanding what the needs were. And as an organization, that was a decision that you know we came up with, but being able to brand it and market it and really drive the city of Atlanta um, to come out and participate, that was huge and very different for our business. Absolutely. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. That was pretty incredible. Um, what about mistakes? How do you how do you deal with failure, mistakes? Do you are, do you welcome them after the fact? <laughs> I had a I remember I had a post-it note uh, when I was really junior at Turner. Someone gave me this quote, and it was like, you know, if you fall flat on your face, that means you're moving forward. And I always mm-hmm. kind of took that as a lesson. So I don't see failure as failure. I see it as a lesson learned, which is a different perspective. And and I also truly believe that everything happens for a reason. And and I tell the story about, you know, being at Turner, I think for about 10, nine or 10 years, I had a lot of success. I took a lot of different roles that didn't make any sense, but, you know, in retrospect, it all came together in a different way. And I was offered an opportunity um, to help run a new digital health and wellness startup. And all of my mentors told me not to take the role um, mm. for various reasons. They said, hey, you're in a great place, you know, continue to grow there, thrive there. But my desire to continue growing and learning, I said, that's absolutely something that I want to do. And so I took on the position. And then a couple months later, I'm eight months pregnant and the entire business unit is cut and everyone gets laid off, myself. Oh. Um, you know, and at the time I was there for a while, I had some severance, but if I told you so was a person, it would have been me because everyone was like, oh, you're not to take that job. But in retrospect, if I hadn't done that and not mm-hmm. learned all that I've learned, I couldn't be in the space where I am today. And so all of it kind of came full circle and being able to come over to the Hawks and initially consult and then come on board full time. And so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see mistakes as mistakes. They're just lessons. And it's right. OK. And I really encourage my team, you know, through innovation and thinking differently if we do some stuff and it doesn't work out, that's okay. You know, it's when you make a big deal yeah. about it and it's seen as a negative, then you really won't have an organization that's able to thrive and grow in new directions. Right. And if you don't take chances, then you'll never know what, what you're missing out on in terms yeah. of opportunity. So 
you need you needed to be challenged. And so that's a guiding principle. Be challenged and be able to add more tools to your professional toolbox. So what what kind of tools were you looking to add and what are you still trying to add? You know, it's it's interesting because I always say if I can do a job in my sleep, then I don't need to be there anymore. Mm. And it's funny because coming into uh, basketball, having been a ball girl and feeling like I knew basketball, I only knew it from a business op- basketball operations side. I didn't know the business side. And mm. so since I've been with the Hawks organization, our organization has evolved. Our city has evolved. There's so many things that have happened. And every time I feel like I've got it. It's not necessarily looking for different things, but, you know, can I do this in my sleep? Nope, I'm still learning or it's a new department um, that's, you know, given to me in order to help lead and manage within our marketing org. And so it continues to evolve. And so before the pandemic, I felt like, all right, I'm in a good place. I kind of know what's going on. And then the whole world shifted. And so since then, there have been so many opportunities to, you know, grow and think about how how we manage our business day to day. The fact that when I started this role, we didn't have a G League team. NBA 2K League didn't exist. Those are brand new properties that we've yeah. had to brand and create and now develop content and structure and strategy for. So, you know, for me, it, it continues to evolve on its own. I don't necessarily have a, I really want to teach. I've done that. <laughs> I enjoy that. You know, that's a good thing. Right. Um, yeah. But I'll know when I'm, when I'm able to do this in my sleep and I'm not really being challenged or growing that it's time to move to the next step. Okay. And before we get to the last uh, very important guiding principle, uh, there is a question and you touched on a little earlier, but maybe you could clarify a bit. So Melissa would love to connect. Oops. No, that's Melissa actually is willing to connect. Sorry, I'm reading the wrong question, but you're willing to connect on Instagram, which is really, really kind of you. So it's the handle I'll give it here since I'm, I'm blabbing away about it is at Melissa A M Proctor. And so please reach out to Melissa. Um, The question was uh, when and what was your aha moment within your career that connected your personal and professional interests? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, After I uh, did my internship at Turner Broadcasting, I was offered a job to stay in marketing for TNT. And I said, you know, I'm young. I want to continue to live and thrive and do different things. And so I was accepted to a graduate program in London. And I was able to go do a one-year master's degree at Central St. Martin's College of Art and Design. Um, And during my internship program, I had an amazing mentor named Jennifer Dorian, who kind of you know, exposed my mind to brand strategy. And I really wanted to dig deeper into brand strategy. So I focused on that in graduate school. But while I was there, I made a contact through Turner for someone uh, with someone at Turner's UK office that worked at CNN, Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. And in meeting with them, we we had a connection. Her name was Sally Perry. And, you know, she was like, I really like you. I don't know what we'll do together, but we'll do something. And while I was in school full time, you know, she ended up getting a new role as the lead of corporate social responsibility for Turner's UK office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I reached out to her to congratulate her. And I was like, hey, I'll intern. And she was like, great. I have no headcount. So she and I became an entire division. And that was probably the first time I've, I've always done a lot of volunteer work. I was a candy striper with my mom at her hospital. I mentored kids when I was doing art in high school. And so I felt like that was the first time in my career that I saw how business in the community could intersect for the benefit of both. And that was really impactful Mm -hmm. for me and very much um, a driver for a lot of the work that I'm doing today. Because at other times in my career, 
you know, I felt like, oh, I'm just working to you know, make more money for other people. Like I'm not really giving back to the world. And so when I find those intersections between being able to be a civic asset, which now having an ownership team for the Atlanta Hawks who truly believes in that, it's amazing because I do feel like every project or opportunity I have, we have the ability to give back. And as a great example of that is our uh, recent MLK City Edition uniforms that we did last season in partnership with the King Estate. And we created them, it was my idea in working with Nike to develop that, but we took it a step further and said, you know what, we're gonna donate 100% of the profits for these uniforms from the team that we sell back into the community of Atlanta. Mm. And did a search and found Women Entrepreneurship Initiative of Atlanta as an amazing opportunity. So, you know, a male basketball team giving money to women entrepreneurs in our city to really create economic empowerment was huge. But being able to meet the women and go to the offices and hear their pitches, like we're taking it a step further. And that, to me, just really gets me excited. Wow. So you're a mom, you're a CMO, you're starting, you know, you're you're doing community outreach. You're doing a lot, which gets me to the last one of your guiding principles. And I want to see how you manage this one. (laughs) Having a work-life flexibility and harmony is important. So how do you do it? Uh, I don't (laughs) all the time. (laughs) It's exactly in the name. I know a lot of people say work-life balance. And I remember hearing someone say before, you're never balanced. There's no such thing as balance. There's harmony. And sometimes you may need to work a lot. Sometimes you may live a lot. And those things are okay. And I think it's, you know, defining your guiding principles, making sure that people are aware of what your needs are. But I will always say that life is more important than work. And I tell that to my team all the time. And so when it comes to my daughter, if she has I always need to be in a place where I have that flexibility. So if she has a, you know, swim class at four o'clock on a Tuesday, I need the ability to go and do that. Where mm-hmm. on the flip side, there may be times where I have to work a lot because we're in playoffs. So we're planning for the season to start. And there's, you know, a lot of major priorities professionally. And it's understanding that sometimes that balance may not be there. So that's why it's harmony, you know, it ebbs and flows. And that's really important. And I think for me, while all of that's good, I can't, pour into anyone unless I'm pouring into myself. And so really taking time and whether it's, I read my Bible app every morning, I have a Peloton that I love, totally team mm. Peloton. <laughs> and I'm, I'm West Indian. I love soca and Calypso music. I love a carnival anywhere in the world or, or a soca party. And so going to those things fill me up personally. And so mm. making time to do that and spending time with friends, that's, that's what's most important for me in life. And so at the end of the day, if life is always going to be more important than work, then it's finding that balance where you can do both and thrive. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's great, great advice. And we all aspire to that. Um, One last question before we go to our takeaways. So this is from a male manager. As a male manager, what's the best way to develop a better work culture for female talent? That's an awesome question. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are a lot of ways. The first thing I'll say is be an advocate, you know, as, as a lot of times, especially in male dominated industries, sometimes there's no women in the room, but there's not a man in the room that would advocate and say, Hey, have we considered this? Have we thought about this? Let's look around. So creating that environment where you're creating opportunities and empowerment. Uh, I think that's really important. Asking questions is huge. You know, no one expects you to get it, but if you never ask questions, you know, it's, it's okay to say, hey, help, help me build a set of brains around this. You know, what exactly do you need? And so, for example, when I first started at the Atlanta Hawks, my daughter was two months old. There were no lactation rooms. So I would have to go home and feed her and then come back to work. And it was something my, 
my boss and I talked about very early on and something we addressed, but by creating an environment where, you know, women know that they can live their best life and bring their whole self to work. If they're a mom, that they can be a great mom and also a great employee. That's what it's really all about. And I think sometimes people are so focused on the bottom line and the numbers, they don't think about the people. And that's really important. Okay. Well, this great advice and uh, something we should all be thinking about, asking questions, just being open to learning. We're going to move on to more more advice from your takeaways and uh, please share them with us. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, a lot of times people reach out and they're like, hey, I want you to be my mentor or let's get 15 minutes and grab coffee. And that's almost impossible, you know, sometimes, especially Uh, when the requests are coming in fast and furious. And so the one thing I always say to people is in relationship building, always think of how you can be an asset to someone, not just a liability on their time. Because if you think about it, it's like, I want to meet you. I want to know your story. I want a job. I want to be where you are. And not once thinking, what can I do for you? Or what's keeping you up at night? What are your Mm -hmm. pain points or challenges? So I always encourage people to think of you know, servant leadership, even if you're not in the leadership role, but how can you pour into someone else if you're requesting them to pour into you? Um, The next one is what got you here won't get you there. And I've learned that, you know, throughout my career, you know, early on when you're a doer, being a doer is super important. But when you get to a different level, it's being a thought leader, it's being able to delegate. And so there's an awesome book called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office that I read years ago that was hugely impactful, but it really illustrates the different lessons along the way and peers that you may need to connect with or executive coaches you may need to get to really help prepare you for the next level in your career. Um, The third one is 100% my mom's advice that I live by every day. Nothing beats a trial but a failure. And in her Mm -hmm. mind, that means, you know, you always got to ask, you know, as long as you ask the question, you can't say it didn't happen because of X, Y, or Z. And I am really grateful um, that now I've learned that lesson over time. Sometimes I was like, hey, I really need help and a resource. You know, all my peers have them. Why don't I? I said, because you didn't ask. And so really taking the initiative, especially as women um, in any industry, nothing needs a trial but a failure. And sometimes you don't know until you ask. And then the fourth, as I mentioned earlier, life is always going to be more important than work. And at the end of the day, no one's going to say, hey, she showed up every day on time and you know, she was great. So it's really, what are you doing for yourself, for your community, for your your peers and helping other people come on board? And I think for me, as much as I can give back and hopefully aspire others, that's what it's all about for me. Wow. Well, thank you so much. Okay. I'm doing a shameless plug. You can't see it because it's, it's not working, but there it is, sort of, but please check out Melissa's book. It's available on Amazon. And Melissa, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. This is awesome. Uh, Learned a lot, as did everyone else on here. And I hope we'll be speaking again soon. Absolutely. And I truly appreciate being here. And if anyone does want to connect, as you mentioned, Instagram at Melissa M. Proctor is the best way. And I truly appreciate the opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Adweek's Most Powerful Woman in Sports, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com.
Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.